0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Heavy Forecast with Toro. This is your host, Felipe Acosta. And today, we're going to be discussing the women's and men's US Open finals. And we're also going to be talking about my predictions that I made last week, starting from the quarters, going to the semis, and then into the finals. And before we get going, I just want to tell you, I'm going to want to ask you guys to please subscribe to my channel. Remember, Heavy Forehands with Toro is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify for podcasters, and even YouTube. All the platform, guys. Uh, so yeah, please subscribe to my channel. Uh, provide any feedback you have, any ideas for future episodes. It will be great, greatly appreciated. So anyways, guys, let's get going. And one more announcement before we get going. Continue to send me videos for the new segment of the podcast called Toros tips, where I'm going to be providing feedback to your tennis game. If you need to improve your forehand, I will give you a series of steps so you can get better and you can improve your tennis. Alright, guys, that's all the announcements that I have. Let's get going. And first, we're going to be talking about the women's final. Let's talk about the women's final. I think it was such a great final, actually, because both of the players have a different game style. If you look at Savalenka, she destroys the ball. She hits the ball so big. And she has like really big swings, good technique. And then on the other end, you have Coco that she's uh she has really good technique as well, but she's mostly a counterpuncher. She uses the speed of the other opponent. Uh, and she's fast. She can move. She has some wheels. And and it was great to see how she came back from losing that first set, where Sabalenka was playing unbelievable. She was destroying the ball. She started like right on jumping on Coco. Coco never won a slam up to this point, and and Sabalenka took advantage of that. Remember that Sabalenka won the the Australian Open this year, and then she has some pretty good results, like on making semifinals in Wimby. So she's been there. She's been close on, on winning a second one and, and in this one she had many chances after winning that first set but then Coco found a way to keep putting balls on the court that was the key of the match she put more balls on the court and she made Sabalenka play one more shot, one extra shot and Sabalenka broke down and something that she did that Coco did correctly was that when she had a chance to kind of like change the speed of the game, like playing slow, 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 then maybe move the ball around, move Sabalenka, Sabalenka around. And I think Sabalenka didn't play tactically correctly in some moments. When you're missing... So imagine, you're playing well, you're hitting winners, uh, and then from nowhere you start missing. Missing shots, wide, deep, net. And, and she kept hitting the ball even bigger and bigger and she kept missing like you need to adjust your game and even though she she looked like she was she was still believing in her game she didn't play tactically correctly i think that's a mistake on the coach the coach should be saying put put the ball on the court (laughs) put the the f ball on the on the court right and and I think Savalenka didn't realize that once you hit like three or four shots to the forehand side of Coco, she has like a pretty close grip. And sometimes she's kind of late. She has taken a really massive swing. And sometimes he catches the ball a little bit late. So uh, she doesn't hit it as clean. It has gotten much better over, over the last two years. And um, it used to be kind of like a weakness once you start pushing that forehand. And, but still, it's, it's the weaker side. And I think Savalenka didn't peak on that side more often. And I would have said to Sabalenka, just start putting balls on the core on the forehand side. And let's see if Coco can step in and, and rip with the forehand side because she can do it on the backhand. But on the forehand side, um, she struggles a little more to generate. And, and that's something that she's going to continue working on. Uh, But overall really good on Coco Coco. She's such a fighter uh, and she had the whole crowd um, Carrying her and the whole team behind her and She looked relentless. She she looked like she wanted it Remember that she lost the final in the French Open 22. So uh, This was her second rodeo her second opportunity to get a major uh, get your major title uh and and she did great um it was great, like if you look at her eyes, like she was committed like she wanted to win that match and and that third set in the first four games, I mean she she made maybe one and four unforced errors in like um seventeen eighteen points, so she was playing really well, of course, Savalenka was missing, and then it was funny, not not funny, but it was interesting to see that Sabalenka kind of found a couple of good good shots and got the score to 4-2 in that third set. And, and it was the opportunity to, to make balls and put the pressure on Coco again, try to make Coco win the match, win the title. But Savalenka gave it away. I think she double-faulted like twice in the 4-2 of the third set. At least once. I'm pretty sure it was at least once and and she missed like a couple easy shots like sitting forehands or like forehand from the middle and and it was kind of like a relief for coco um, coco the game before she got broken after missing uh on her end because sabalenka was putting more balls on the court the game before and coco missed and so it was the opportunity for sabalenka to put the score at 4-3 but instead Coco went on to win fight two, broke again, and and that relieved some pressure from, from her. And yeah, and, and good for her that she she closed it out uh six two on that on on that third set. And good for Coco. Congrats to Coco. I think she's gonna get many more, many more. And I think is gonna get many more. She um she has the game. I think she has better strokes than coco and and she's a good competitor but still she needs to learn how to adjust and how to add more variation to her game because so far she has only one speed she can move the ball around with that speed but she is always hitting through the court through the court through the court and with the good technique that she has she should be able to maybe spin the ball maybe maybe hit the outside of the ball to hit an angle maybe come into the net a little more. I I, saw her hitting overheads, and they were pretty decent, pretty decent overheads. Um, So overall, I see the future of these two players to be um, really bright. It's going to be good for them. Uh, And it's going to be interesting how um, the next majors are going to be spread out because if you look at the the men and the draw of the eight players that play the quarterfinals, you see Mukova, she's a really good player. Sheng is a really good player. Madison Key. she's a great player. Bondrusova is a great player. So you have a bunch of players that can actually make a run at the at a major. Ah, and don't forget that we have Swiatek that she lost in the fourth round against Ostapenko, who also won a major. So the on the women's side is getting really interesting. I like that you can go to a major and anyone can win a Grand Slams that, make it, that makes the tournaments way more interesting. Like, if you go and see the men's side, you're going to see that it is, it's either Alcaraz, Joko, or Danny. I think I have, I have said before that Alcaraz and Joko are above him, um, are above, above Danny. but right now Danny is showing that that he's back at it Remember the level that he had in the US Open 2021 and and the level he had against Rafa in the first three sets of the final of the training twenty twenty two. He he was looking unbeatable back then. So I think Danny is getting back on track and on hardcore he's he's a tough player. But let's get let's get back to the WTA side and, and let's compare my predictions to what actually happened. If we take a look at the first matchup between in the quarterfinals, I said that Coco was gonna beat Ostapenko. Uh, that's a win on my end. That uh, let, let's start taking notes. Wait, wait, me a sec. I'm gonna start taking some notes. All right, I'm ready to take notes and let's get my my score, my accuracy rate. So the first matchup, we have that I I scored correctly. So we have a point for me when Coco beat Ostapenko. Then I said the Mukova was gonna beat Sirtea. That's another point for me. Then we have Sheng and Savalenka. I said Savalenka was gonna win. That's another point for me. Three out of three so far. It's looking pretty solid. Then we have Bondrusova and Keys. This one is this one was a surprise for me. Bondrusova, the lefty uh winner of Wimbledon this year. She lost against Keys. That's a point for for Not for me. I don't know who, who actually bet uh, for Madison Keys on that matchup. And then we have, let's look at the semis. Between Goff and Mukova, I said Koko was going to win. That's another point for me. And then Madison Keys and Savalenka. I mean, I said that Zabalenka was going to make the final, so I'm going to give him a point to me, even though I said that Bondrusova was going to play. And in the final, that's, that's a loss for me, even though I, I I prefer Coco to win. I wanted Coco to win a major, but I said Sabalenka was gonna win. So right now we have five points for me, two errors, and the score is that is a 71% accuracy rate. Pretty solid for my first my first rodeo on the predictions. And and actually in the final I was pretty close. Sabalenka was um, 6-2 up and she kind of like went away of her game um, but well I need to give credit also that Savalenka came back after losing the first set 6-0 against Madison Keys so I think 71% that's a, that's a good score for me and and now okay let's let's go and discuss the, the, the men's side but overall that was a really good major on the women's side really interesting and really fun to watch Djokovic, man, what a player. 24 majors, unbelievable tennis. The guy, he's 36 years old, but like I said before, he looks 25. And if you ask him if he will beat his 25 or 26 year old, he will say, right now, the senior player is much better. And my God, congrats to Novak. He was so solid. He was unbelievable tonight. You couldn't get through him. Medvedev threw everything at him in that second set but it was not enough. Um, right from the get-go that first set, Djokovic was so much better um, starting 3-0 really early on and and that was n- not the desired start for Medvedev Medvedev was looking to get that first set and put some pressure on Novak but early on I said if I asked, a friend asked me, what is your prediction? And like I said before, Djokovic is the favorite to win the tournament. Uh, I said it two weeks ago, I said it a week ago, and I said it tonight. And and today tonight I said, if he wins the first set, he's going to win. And after he won the first set, I said, if he wins the second set, he's going to win. <laughs> because that second set was pretty tough. That was pretty tough. Um, it took some time for Danny to get into the match because Djokovic, Uh, Played really well early on. And and Dani was kind of tight. Uh, As you know, he only won one major. That was the US Open 21 when he beat Novak. Um, But really different conditions back then. It was an outdoor match. Um, Novak played, I believe, 5 sets with Berev. And and in that match, Dani served really well and he returned really well. But the difference in this one is that Joko um, didn't break mentally as he kind of broke mentally in that 2021 major final. And, and Danny was maybe like 80% of his potential. And, and you need to be 100% of your level to beat Novak Djokovic. That, that's his level. He's that good. And I will say that Danny didn't return as well. If you guys look back, he, he tends to hit a lot of winners out of returns, even stepping as far back as he does. But he tends to make a lot of returns, and sometimes some winners down the line and hit passing shots. Um, but in this match, he was missing a lot of returns because Djokovic was putting a lot of pressure. He was um, serving and volley a lot on the view side with the slice of wide and coming in. And, and Danny was missing the return, missing the return. And, and I think he missed two or three returns on the tiebreak of that second set. Um, and those are basically three points, right? Uh, three points because Djokovic um, didn't, didn't have to put a next ball on the court. And I think as well that, that Danny was a little bit less aggressive as with the match with Alcaraz. For moments, though, he was stepping in and, and hitting the forehand big, but he was more tentative, a little more passive than he was against Carlos. I remember the, the match against Carlos, he was ripping forehands, ripping forehands, um, and he tends to hit more like a loopy forehand. And, and for moments in the match, he was hitting this loopy forehand and, and leaving the ball kind of short, and Novak was stepping into the court but overall, I mean, in, Djokovic was the better player. Um, I don't think Danny can get mad at this match or say that he didn't take his chances. Maybe that second set, he had a set point, actually. He could go back and say, actually, I, that set point where uh, instead of going down the line, he just ripped through the middle at Djokovic's volley and, and Djokovic didn't move his feet and, and he could put the ball back in the court. Um, so, I would say that's that point, in the second set. Maybe he can go back and look at it and, and be a little bit mad about it. But overall, good tournament for Danny. Um, good for him getting back into his level. He beat Carlos Alcaraz in that great semi final matchup where they had Carlos winning for that match um, after the, the two matches they played earlier this year. And Djokovic, man, like I said, 36 year old. He won 24 majors, and I'm really looking now at the press conferences. I want to see what he's about to say. Um, I think he's definitely the best of all time right now. The debate is kind of over. I used to be a Fed fan, um, but now I I really admire Djokovic. He's good for him, Uh, well-deserved. Getting more into the match details, after that second set, that was a battle. It was 100 minutes. Um, he was like, kind of like dropped his head. And the third set, Joko stepped on him. He won 6-2 fairly easy. And Jokovic felt really comfortable on the court. On that second set, Joko was looking a little more tired because the rallies were getting a little bit longer. And he was trying to finish them early, hitting drop shots and maybe changing down the line earlier or coming to a net earlier. But Danny was being solid. Um, But after that second set, uh, win for Joko, Danny, yeah, Danny was done. He, he kind of, he didn't tank, but kind of his hope went down significantly. Uh, And you can see, see it in his body language. If you guys have the chance to go back and look at his body language, after the second set ended, he was staring down, um, looking at his box. He didn't move his head. He was getting his physio for his shoulder. I think it's fine, though. I think it's just, you know, soreness from playing hours and hours of tennis these last two weeks. I believe he played over 15 hours of tennis and maybe Joko a little less. Um, sorry, I'm staring right now at the screen looking at both of them. Uh, receiving the trophies and and it's awesome to see that they they have a, such a good relationship together and they laugh at it and there is, it's a, it's a good rivalry it's a, like, a healthy rivalry uh, and it's hilarious to see all the Djokovic team wearing the, the 24 uh the jacket with the number 24 that's that's awesome um i think uh, Joko has been waiting since wimby to to wear the jacket um for sure they had it ready in Wimbledon and it didn't work out. Um, but yeah, anyways, guys, um, now let's, let's talk about my predictions. Um, since I made some predictions in the last episode, so I just want to compare how I did. I think I did pretty solid. The most important one, I got it. I said Joko was going to win the open. Joko won the open, but let's start back to the quarterfinals. Starting from the top of the draw, the first matchup that we had was, Icarus is better, uh, reminder for yourself. I said that Algras was gonna make the final whole tournament, so I said that Algaraz was gonna beat better. So that's a point for myself. Dani Danny beat Rublev in a fairly easy match, 6-3, 6-4, 6-4. I said easy on the score, but it was actually it was a battle. Um, Rublev was up a break in, in many instances, but that's another point for myself. Then we have for losing against Shelton. I actually had Francis winning that one, so that's a point against myself. And then we have Joko beating easily Taylor Fritz. That's another point for myself. So I went 3-1 on the quarterfinals. And then Danny surprised me beating Alcaraz. I had Carlitos and Joko playing the final. And, and Carlos didn't take his chances in that match. That first set where... I think he had like six or seven break points and like he didn't break um, and missing like easy returns. I mean, he, he kind of lost that set, um, but good for Danny. That's another point against myself. And then we have on the other my final matchup where uh, Joko beat, beat Sheldon and, and it was hilarious, his celebration with the, with the telephone, uh, the same celebration that Sheldon did against Yafo and good for Joko, and then I said in the final that Joko was going to win, and Joko won, and that's 5-2 for myself, the same percentage as in the women's side, like I said before, that's um, a a 71% accuracy rate, that's pretty decent, and... And the most important one, what I said, was that Joko was going to win and Joko won his 24 major title. And good for him. Congrats for Joko. Congrats for Danny for an amazing week. Um, it's been two weeks of great tennis. I really enjoy watching the U.S. Open. There's always uh, such a good vibe. Um, the, the stands are full. There's a lot of stars, actresses, actors on the stands. Um, it brings the best of the, the American people. And, and that's, that's all that we have for the majors of this year. Um, some of the players are going to go and play the Masters of 1000 uh, towards the later part of the year. I think we have Shanghai and Paris in about starting month and a half, maybe. Um, and then they keep the ATP World Tour Finals in, I think, last week of November or first week of December. Uh, But the best part of tennis is over, which is kind of sad. Anyways, guys, that's all what I have in in terms of the US Open. All right, tennis lovers. That's all what I have for today. I hope you enjoyed this one. For the next episode, we're going to be talking about the AI model created by IBM in order to predict the tennis matches. And I hope you guys have a beautiful, a wonderful start of the week. And this is it, guys. Have a good one. Take care.